Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secrets of Marketers podcast, the only podcast you can rely on to give you real, raw, unfiltered marketing advice covering the latest tips, tricks, and tools that millionaire marketers use to make money online. I am your host, Jeremy Blossom. Sit back, relax, and let's start discovering the true secrets of marketers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Secrets of Marketers podcast. My name is Jeremy Blossom, and we have a special guest today. Hello, Itai. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing? Welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. Itai is one of the most interesting people I have ever met. Um, we When did we originally meet, Itai? Mm, FMS uh, 2018, I want to say, Orlando. Yeah, that's probably the first time we met in person. Yeah. Um, so we've known each other now for a few years, but everybody listening at home or in their car may not know who you are. Your reputation does precede you in many different ways. I'd absolutely say that you're probably one of the most interesting people I've ever met and uh, one of the most genuine people I've ever met. Thank you. Both of those are uh, huge compliments for me. I will take both of those any day. Yeah, you're a super nice guy. Um, okay, so let's, let's fill in on who you are and uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, so my name is Itai Bengal. Uh, I am StrikePoint's actually uh, in-house copy wizard, and uh, I think I'm the first StrikePoint employee to get to be on the show. I think you are. Yeah, so I'm uh, super happy about that. Yeah, you've been a huge resource for us and for a lot of people in the financial trading and investing niche. Uh, from a copywriting perspective and a strategy perspective. Um, so today, because we've got a copywriter, I think you're also my first copywriter I've had on the show. Cool. really cool. Um, let's go into how your uh, how do you approach copywriting? How do you approach direct response copywriting? Start from the top. Sure. Um, so for anybody watching who doesn't know me or hasn't heard of me, uh, my superpower is that I can write extremely high quality copy at an extremely fast rate. Uh, that is not to say that I am the world's fastest copywriter. It is not to say I'm the world's best copywriter. Uh, but I am a huge advocate of the GE approach. It's good enough, right? Let's get something out there. Uh, and I have the ability to write extremely high-level copy that converts, that does well uh, at an extremely fast rate because I am not focused on like getting making it perfect. Uh, and so I take a kind of approach where it's, I can write so quickly because I am focused on who I'm writing for, what I'm writing about, and I know the product, I know the big idea, I know the benefits, uh, and all of that is focused on research in advance. Uh, And then I just try, rather than to sell, I try to tell stories and focus on the benefits of what it brings to people. Uh, And I find when you have a more of a conversation with your leads and you're qualifying them throughout your entire funnel, uh, from the moment they see an ad to a lead magnet to the nurture sequence and indoctrination, uh, now all of a sudden everything we're saying is in conjunction with who we're talking to, what we want to say, and what the benefit is to them of uh, getting the product or service that we want them to. We're getting a better lead, and they're far more likely to take action. So you're going to get higher conversions, and you're going to get a better lifetime value client. So when someone comes to you with uh, their product or service that they want you to help uh, write a message around. Um, what are some of the uh, first questions you you like to ask 
before sure. you get into the copy. Uh, which I think so that is some, that's great because most people want to skip this. They just, they love their product and they want to just preach it from the rooftops. Uh, and so my question is, okay, well, what's the benefit of your product? First question always, what's the benefit? What problem does it solve? Uh, and generally the answer is, oh, my product does this, this, and this. I said, great. What problem does it solve? Uh, and then, well, it does this, this, and this. I said, no, you're telling me a bunch of, you know, product features. Let's talk about the benefits and what you're doing. Uh, so everybody wants to skip this. So my first question is always, what problem does it solve? Who does it solve it for? Uh, and I actually have a whole little checklist of uh, things here, which if you want, we can include at the bottom of uh, in the notes. Uh, but generally speaking, it's just a product summary where it's like, okay, what do we have? Who are we speaking to? Um, what is the benefit? What is the value? Uh, what does it not do? Right. And then specifically what's included in here? How do we put a box around it? Um, what assets exist? What are your results? Who's this for? Who is it not for? Uh, there's a whole list of questions that goes on in the onboarding and discovery process. Uh, and a lot of it is geared around research. So when I first start with somebody, it's always get to understand first off their product. Then I want to know them, right? I want to know why they're doing this, uh, how they got started. I want to know the, the biggest losses they've had. I want to know what makes them different from their competition. What sets them apart? Why should a client, a lead, a prospect, why do they want to hear from this person? Uh, and then I kind of start to paint a picture uh, and figure out what the message is, the big idea, the why. Uh, and we start to build a campaign and a funnel around that. Nice. So I, I imagine that you probably like to get into the personal uh, personal parts of someone's background for the stories. More so than anything. Yeah. 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 And so the good, the bad, the ugly, you're looking just for themes in which a story can develop. And then you try to weave that story together into a narrative that compels the person listening or reading it to, to buy, right? Is that, is that essentially what you like to do? Yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, absolutely. And the thing is, nobody buying is perfect. In fact, if they're buying, there is a 100% chance that they are not perfect. Uh, they are struggling with something and they need help. So how and why should they listen to you? It's because you've been where they are. You also were not perfect. So the hero's journey, right? Uh, if you are not familiar with the hero's journey, check it out. It is important. But essentially, it says that everybody goes on the same journey where we start with a problem and we overcome that problem. Nobody wants to see vacation pictures where everything is perfect. But if you're telling somebody, oh my God, I just want a vacation. You're not going to believe what happened to me. Uh, and you are stranded on an island somewhere when you lost your passport. Now you have a story where people are like, what happened next? What happened next? Um, sales, marketing, all of it is roughly the same, right? They don't want to listen to somebody who is perfect. It, you may think people do, uh, and it may seem counterintuitive to talk about your biggest loss or the biggest mistakes you made in trading or when you first got started. However, if you can take what your mistake and turn it into a lesson and how you changed and elevated your results as a result of that mistake and that painful experience, now people are far more interested in like, oh, well, I can relate to that. I went through that. Uh, so personal stories go a long way, especially the bad and the ugly ones. So what happens when you are working on a particular project and I think a lot of people uh, can relate to this. Um, and you you get stumped, 
right? You, you can't make the transition into the close or you're just having a, a really hard time finding that story. What do you do to overcome that? Uh, so honestly, I will unplug. I'll go do something else. I'll go read. I'll go work out. I will go, I'll take a nap, but my brain will keep processing, right? Uh, and then, uh, you know, I will go look at other stuff. I'll go look at other competitors, at campaigns. I'll look for inspiration. I'll watch a movie. Uh, but the stories that they tell and the segues in there, uh, they all they all follow a lot of formulas. Uh, nobody needs to reinvent the wheel. So if I see something that somebody else is doing, where I'm like, wow, that really grabbed me. Why did that grab me? What about it? Was it the language? Was it the the idea behind the transition? Uh, was it the promise? I, like, I'm going to try and hone in on something that grabs my attention and figure out what that is. Uh, generally, if I get stuck, it's for one of two reasons. I can't decide which idea I want to focus on uh, or I can't decide um, how I want to say a specific idea. Like I have an idea, but I'm not sure how to say it or I have a hundred ideas and I'm not sure which one I want to focus on. So if I just turn the screen off and look away for a little bit and let my brain keep thinking about it, suddenly it'll click. Uh, and you know, there's, there is a kind of a disconnect between uh, something else that may seem counterintuitive is people think uh, to write quickly, you have to be writing constantly. That's just the, it, that's not actually the case. It, it, right when you are inspired, right when you are in flow, uh, the rest of the time you could sit there and stare at a wall. It's fine. But when you do get inspired, lean into it, run with it. Uh, so I keep a notepad on my phone. Uh, and because I have an iPhone and I have a MacBook, uh, everything is synced through the cloud. So if I put something in my phone, it's still there on my laptop. Uh, but if I have an idea anytime, I will stop what I am doing and I will write it down in my notepad. Uh, and these are just little bullets and fragments. I don't use, I mean, I might use 10 to 20% of them, honestly. But the ones I used, it's great. It's just a great content scratch pad with a line of text that I like or a quote that inspires me uh, or just a, a a lyric from a song that I will copy and paste into my notepad because it sparked something at some point. There's a good chance it sparks something again when I'm at my laptop. Uh, so it's just an inspiration notepad that kind of gives me ideas if I do get stuck. A lot of copywriters like to start with um, the the biggest piece of, of the project. So let's say that they're putting together um, a long sales copy letter, or they're putting together a webinar, um, they'll, they'll want to, they want to tackle that first before they get into the shorter, like emails, um, you know, landing page copy, things like that. Um, are you similar to that? Do you have to start with the big idea and kind of like get, write a bunch of meat to an offer and then you can make the other stuff, you know, easier, faster, or does it not matter to you? Um, you know, it, it, Every every project is different. Every every client is unique. Every offer is unique. Every project is unique. So it's impossible to say, well, this is the only way to do something because that's just not the case. That being said, I like to have the big idea, right? I like to know why we're doing something, why it matters, why this is different, what is the promise to the client. Uh, now, if it's a live webinar, I'm obviously not going to be able to see the webinar before I start writing uh, something else. But if I know the idea behind it, I can always go back to that as a promise, right? I can always say, so that, right? Bullet, so that. I can offer a benefit and focus on how that matters to them. Um, emails are, and I love writing emails. Uh, emails are, have always been my bread and butter. It's an opportunity to talk directly to the lead, to the prospect, to the customer, and it's 
a great way. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Email. Like, I, I see people talking about email is dead, and it blows my mind. No, right. not even close. Yeah. Email is more alive than ever. In fact, I, I think that it is only getting started and getting stronger. It's figuring out how to stand apart in a sea of emails within an inbox. Uh, and that's where I've always shined. My open rates have always been higher than competition. Our click-throughs are great. Uh, and it is because I'm not trying to sell them in the email. I'm just trying to get them to the next page. So get a subject line that opens. Uh, get them to uh, open the email, read the next line, read the next line, click through to the next page. I don't need to tell them everything that's going on in the webinar. Sell the click, not the product within the email. Get them to a sales page. That's what the VSL is for. That's what the long-form sales letter is for. Or maybe they're already ready to go. Yeah, I, I love what you just said there. Sell the click. So everyone who's listening to this at home, um, most of you are probably have a, a, a small email list, a big email list. If you do not have an email list, start building one yesterday. Yeah. Start doing it today. Drop what you're doing. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more um, that email is is not dead in any way and is still one of the most effective ways to sell. Um, but a lot of people, when they sit down to write emails, they will try to write for the product. They'll try to write for um, this big special offer or sales blitz or something like that. And they don't they do not do what you just mentioned, which is really, really well said. They don't actually write the email to get that next call to action. And that's so true with so many different parts of your funnel that you guys are building out. You may be building something that uh, or writing something that is just to get somebody to watch the video. Well, then sell, watch the video. If the video is there to sell the 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 product or a membership of some sort or to come to an event then let the video do that but just focus on that one small piece you started to highlight um, um, just how you break down writing an email and structuring an email you said the subject line first is that usually what you try to write or do you what's your flow for putting together write emails because without a doubt everybody who's listening right now uh, Itai is probably one of the best um, in the world at writing email copy and getting persuasive email copy that that gets people to take action. Open rates and click-through rates are high. Uh, I'll, I'll explain in a minute some things that we've done together that um, blew my mind. But why don't you go and, and kind of break down how you write emails and how you go about your approach. So I write emails in series, right? There, I'm not just even if, even if I am writing a one-off email, it is tied to a campaign or it is tied to something. Uh, and I don't believe in writing just a promo email just to like, hey, buy our stuff, buy our stuff. There needs to be a reason. There needs to be a, a why. Um, you know, I don't believe people. People say they don't like to be uh, they don't like to be uh, sold, but they love to buy. That's not true. People do like to be yeah, sold. They like to be like to be you know pitched on something. They just don't like to be patronized. Uh, and people buy emotionally, right? Mm -hmm. But they like to justify it based on logic, right? So if you can create a correlation between the reason why and the benefit to them and put a reason like, hey, okay, there is a special going on. Um, so you know what? A great example, uh, leap year. Leap year, this is a leap year, right? Yep. We had an extra day this year. Okay. Uh, so with a uh, partner of mine, a client of mine, uh, it was, okay, we're going to run a 24-hour leap year, leap day special. Why should this matter? Well, if our common thread that we always talk about is taking action, and this is for action takers, and if nothing changes, nothing changes, you have to do something, well, guess what? 
once every four years, you get an entire extra day to take action. So what are you doing with it? Um, this year, it happens to fall on a Saturday. You literally get an entire extra day with no other demands to work on your stuff that nobody can take that away from you. What are you going to do this Saturday? What are you going to do with your extra day uninterrupted to do anything you want? Are you going to sleep? Are you going to watch TV? Are you going to relax? Or are you going to get ahead? Are you going to take advantage of an opportunity? Um, well, we always preach take action. And if you implement this, you will get results. So 24 hours, we're going to do this special. That's it. You have 24 hours. So what was so that, that's a good idea. I mean, I hope everyone's listening and hearing how you're putting this together in your head. Um, that is interesting, right? It is it is something that's unusual that you're calling out. So it's topical as well. One mm -hmm. of my favorite um, examples I've given in another podcast episode was talking about how uh, you can write towards the masters, right? One of the best pieces I've seen when it comes to email is the, the masters was happening at that time. And literally the email sequence was following almost the events of the masters and correlating it back to a trading product, which was uh, a lot of people might think is a big stretch, but they just played off it really well with winning and the competition that was out there and uh, the psychology and mindset that Tiger had to have when he won the Masters, which, you know, it's just such an insane story, but it was topical. It was different. It was unique. Um, they pulled it into a trading product. What was this specific one for you? What were you, you know, pulling this idea of one day every four years that is is an extra day? It's a bonus day. If you're an action taker, it should be like national action takers sure. you know, year or something like that when every time you leap year comes up. But yeah. um, what was what was the thing that you tied it back into? I tied it back into uh, and, and and within within this program, it is all about uh, taking action, and the results were just. It was a leap of faith day. You have to bet on yourself. You have to take that leap of faith. Take action. For what? What was the product? Oh, uh, the product was uh, Kurt Molly's belt method. Uh, so it is uh, teaching media buyers how to properly run Facebook ads and how to build an ecosystem uh, and really engage with people from start to finish. Uh, if you guys don't know Kurt, he is a brilliant marketer and a wonderful human being uh, and a close friend. So I adore Kurt. Uh, you've met Kurt. He is a just a, a, a great guy. Uh, and again, I didn't have to sell them in this email. I didn't have to do anything. We have a sales page. So really it was, go check out this page. Like, go see what is in store for you here. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about this before, but it's very easy to build credibility if you're actually good at mm -hmm. what you do, if you have the testimonials, if you have the results. Well, Kurt has that. And so do so many of the students. So you've literally got testimonials, screenshots, case studies over and over and over. Hundreds of people are like, look what I did when I implemented. So I took action. All of a sudden, my this happened, that happened, that happened. My my numbers, my cost is down, my spend is down, but my results are way up. Uh, and when you can show that over and over and over and over and over again, somebody is going to say, well, why can't I do that? Yeah. And well, so that's was it. For. Was it a part of an email series that you wrote? No, this was, was actually one? a one day thing, but it's such a so. A big important thing here is uh, every email strategy is different, uh, but something that should not change from anybody in any industry, in any business, anybody with an email is should be communicating with them, uh, not just pitching them, not just kind of saying, oh, you know, buy our stuff, buy our stuff, buy our stuff, but provide value. Yeah. Give them a reason to stick around. Uh, you you call it a never ending story, right? Like yeah. you're 
keep going, keep going, keep going, uh, keep giving them a reason to to buy. Well, they're going to buy from you if they like you, even if somebody is not ready to buy right now, but they are reading your material. They are digesting your content. You are giving them value. When they are ready, you will be the first person that they want to buy from. Yeah, That's why it's okay to give stuff away. Like It's all right to say, hey, I'm going to help you. I don't care if you're a buyer or not. I want to help you. Yeah. Why? Because I care. So. Yeah. And specifically when it comes to email, there are a few different types of emails that you'll see that come into your inboxes uh, from a brand, right? Um, of the different types, you've got the newsletter, okay? You've got like the blog version, um, you almost have like a listicle version sure. that comes out with like here are these like 10 things like an RSS feed almost that come in. Um, and then you have the story approach. And uh, the story approach from a sales perspective is probably one of the strongest that are out there. Um, not necessarily always the most valuable. And so there is somewhat of a difference. Somewhat, what I believe is, is what a really good one-two combination is that if you are uh, an owner of a business then having the uh, blog type email or the listicle email come out once a week with some really impactful, valuable information, educational content, a lesson of some sort, mixed with a the personal narrative of, of people that work in your business or you, the owner themselves. That's like the one-two combo. And you could sell using that personal narrative that then you can also combine it with that like weekly newsletter that comes out, but you can also write way more often. Um, I had one a, a client that was in the photo industry. Uh, they had a big, huge one of the top photo uh, uh, blogs, like on how to how to take good um, photography and how to take good photography, how to be a good photographer, uh, and and take good pictures. Anyway, and they had a course on it. That's what they sold. And they asked me how many emails can you send out when it becomes too much for your audience. And of course, always most of our answers is it depends. But I kind of broke this down for them. And um, the truth is, is that if you're just sending out uh, just general information that they can go and search and find anywhere um, and you're sending it every single day, then that can be too much because um, you're almost and I like what you said there. That is a form of patronizing somebody when you're sending information. You're like, wait, what you're thinking? I can't just get this information when I want or where I want. Why are you keep you know inundating me with this? This is too much versus if you have uh, a story that you, at the end, like I said, my, I've got a, an episode called The Never Ending Story, where if you can constantly thread together the overall theme and you can continue, then you there really isn't an overload of content. Now, there is starts to get into the individual preferences and how much, but the truth is it's like, you know, the Game of Thrones is a good example. How long <laughs> that season could have gone on forever. And if they could have come up with enough good content, they could have had one every single day that they launched, right? But uh, yeah, because it was such a good, compelling story. So if you write that way, um, any, any, do you agree with everything I just mentioned there? Would you change anything, add anything? So I'll put it this way. Um, first off, yes, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, you can... You can send as much email as you want. People are like, oh, once a week is, is is enough or not enough or, oh, if we send three times a week, we're going to overwhelm them. No, you're not. If you're going to overwhelm them, they'll unsubscribe. And if you start seeing a rise in unsubscribes, hey, maybe that's telling you, okay, we're doing too much. Uh, but in the past, I mean, we would send out uh, two emails a day uh, at, at, um, at one company that is a big name that I will not mention. Uh, but it did well because one was a content piece and it was value. The other was an offer. So we would send a couple different pieces. 
Um, now, another thing to consider is how many, let's call them imprints, do you have within this company? So if you have, let's say, um, an overlying brand that as the glue, right, is a free newsletter. But within that newsletter, you can show these other imprints that you have that all fall under the same umbrella. So if you are, uh, let's say, financial uh, education company, right, and you're sending out this newsletter, and this financial education company has uh, four subdomains, right? So slash options, slash futures, slash um, currencies, whatever we want to say, right? Yeah. Um, each of these can have a featured content piece within there, right? You're taking one, and each of these newsletters should have a free version and a premium version. Uh, so they'll be linked out to the free version. And guess what? While they're at the free version for that specific thing, they can see an offer for the premium uh, membership there if this is something that appeals to them. But you're not overwhelming them. You're not saying, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. You're saying, hey, if you're interested in this, here's what's going on in the market. Or, hey, here's a really simple lesson, but it's super important and you need to know this if you are involved in options trading at all. And then they can watch on and say, you know what? I need to know more about options trading. I'm interested in this trial or yeah. this membership or this special. Uh, but there's no one answer to say whether or not we are sending too much or not enough emails other than, you know, what's the data telling you? If you're seeing a huge uptick in unsubscribes, you might be sending too many emails. Yeah, there, there is definitely a um, – I, I, when I was early in my career, I, I kind of would tout, no, there's no such thing as too many emails. But – um, with so many different ways that people are getting inundated with messages on Messenger for Facebook, your direct uh, messages on Instagram, uh, retweets, SMS, te SDS, text messages, WhatsApp, uh, Slack. You know, everybody's getting inundated, and and I think that the rise of just the ways of people are getting pinged um, have kind of caused this. Um, so I, I have, you know, I de definitely think that there is a, there's a sweet spot. There is it's probably a better way to look at it is mm -hmm. that there's a sweet spot that you want to try to get your frequency and email send to, to hit with your audience. And don't forget everybody that there's a very simple way that you can, you can give everybody what they want, which is segmenting inside of your email system. So you may have your diehard tribe that really loves to hear from you every single day. Um, if you're a, if you're selling courses on any particular topic, you're going to have the really frenzied, like I'm, I'm going all in and I'm getting as much information from you as possible. That person doesn't mind, you know, two emails a day. You've got somebody else who's um, wanting to keep tabs on the latest that's out there. They like you. You've built no like and trust when they're, they're a client of yours in some way. Um, they may want something from you once a month. Um, and, and they, you know, it, it may be some special offers here and there. So a very easy tactic that you can incorporate is just a way to let them choose the frequency that they're at, you know, that they want to receive things at. So when you do the opt out part, give them these choices and these are just a little bit more pro tips mm -hmm. but yeah segment these people out and find out another good thing is just ask them um you know surprises me how many people just don't send out an email and saying hey how many emails should i send out um and run a little survey your diehard people these the your diehard clients uh, i call them your super customers these super customers are the lifeblood of your business and they'll give you probably the best feedback that you can. Don't ignore it. Don't just like you said, watch yeah. the unsubscribes. If you're seeing a huge, you know, whoa, and you're getting, you're getting feedback from your customers. Are they your super customers or are they just people who have never bought anything? Cause I, that, that going back to the, the, uh, photo blog, that company had was getting, as they increased their email, and we're getting a lot of pushback from the free, never bought anything ever. 
And I said, let's segment those people into a different you know, frequency because they're just looking to keep tabs on what's happening in the industry. They're not your super. So don't let you know, fans dictate your, what your super customers really want and need is another pro tip. Wholeheartedly agree with that. And, you know, uh, Neil Patel talked about this at ACS Live uh, in Vegas. He gave a, and I love this. So if you are watching this and, or listening to it, um, ask them a question about what they want to see, what they, you know, what they, it, how, how often they want to get the email, like you said. Uh, but just say reply, reply to this email. A yes, no yeah. answer, any reply other either way uh, actually improves deliverability and engages the actual reader. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to get some really good feedback, like you said. So ask a question of, hey, what would you like to see? And this is really good if you are stuck as far as what content to write about, what email to write about. I've got plenty of tics, uh, tips and tactics on that we can talk about today or another time as no, well. No, I'd love to hear about it. What are yeah? But let's. I think that this email vein is really important. So many businesses need to use email better. They probably struggle with it. Yeah. Um, I'd say of all the different email or the marketing tactics that a business has, most people listening would put email not at the very top of what their efforts are. Mm -hmm. um, and and before we go any further, I do want to hear these topics. Um, I, I had posted some stats. There's a um, a blog that I follow called Mail Floss, and they had a uh, 14 stats that you should all know uh, about about email marketing specifically. And so I posted this on my Instagram, and one of my friends, Fernanda. DMs me and says, Jeremy, do you believe this applies to all businesses? And my response was, yes, all businesses should be in corporate email. And then her response was, okay, well, I've tried email. It doesn't work for me, but my Instagram uh, account has just yielded a ton of customers for me. And I went on to say, great. And a social media can be the same tactics that you do in email can actually work and sometimes work even better on social media. So uh, the two examples that I gave her was um, Facebook posts and Instagram posts. So um, Facebook, uh, and I've done this myself, if you guys go and, and, and friend request me, you can see some of my posts, but uh, I've gone in and told stories in a Facebook post, a really long story, we're talking like five to 500 to 1,000 word stories. And I wrote it all out with a really good picture that kind of describes the entire story. And I have had 50, 60 comments on that story when I published something like that. That's like an email being sent out. And now everybody gets to see what someone would have responded back to me if I if you had gotten that in their inbox, right? 